it's obvious as you read this one, this psalm has a bit of a different theme, a bit of a different tone than any that we've previously seen, particularly in this collection of psalms of ascent, right, that the pilgrims have sung on their way to Jerusalem, on their way to worship. Now they're in the temple, they're worshiping, and this collection of, of, of psalms are the, the hymn book, if you will, of the Jewish people in the temple. And, and here, what we sing matters, and, and God ultimately, having preserved this psalm, says, sing about your suffering, sing about your affliction, sing about your persecutions. Let me just pause and ask this. Does that sound strange to you? Is that the attitude of your heart? I'll be honest, it's not often the attitude of mine. In verse 1, the psalmist takes us back to the days of bondage in Egypt, back when Israel was first birthed, if you will. Verse 1, greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. You see, the people of God in the Old Testament were birthed in persecution, in suffering, in affliction there in, in Egypt. In fact, verse 3 draws our attention with metaphorically, the plowers in the days of my youth, the plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. They're probably talking about the, the whips of the slave master. Upon their backs, they're in Egypt. The lashes that they took upon their back, it's a metaphor. It was a, a time of persecution, a time of great suffering. That's just like Christianity. Christianity throughout church history was birthed in, go back to the first century, second century, third century, intense, massive persecution, martyrdom. So why sing about it? Why sing about the, can I use this language, the bad days, the dark days, the difficult days? I mean, don't we want songs that are about uh, the good stuff? You know, rainbows and sunshining and, and, and joy. Why, why go back to the bad days? That's, psychology today tells us you've got a problem if you go back and dwell upon the bad stuff. Move on from that stuff. Why sing about it? Answer. So we won't forget it. So we won't forget it. And because the difficulties of yesterday are ongoing, think about the book of Revelation. We're talking about life in the time between the ascension of Jesus Christ and his return. And all the seal judgments, all the trumpet judgments that we've gone through, they're all happening simultaneously upon this period of time. And the church is in the midst of them. We're, we can continue to expect difficulties and trials. And our hope for today and our hope for tomorrow is the same hope that got us through yesterday's troubles and trials, the grace of God. So why remember them so we won't forget and we won't despair in today's present troubles? Christianity's hard. It's what we've been seeing over and over in the book of Revelation. On Psalm 129 here, one commentator says this, this psalm teaches in the first place that God subjects his church to various troubles and afflictions to the end that he may better prove himself, her defender and deliverer. And so the psalmist calls to the memory of the faithful here in Psalm 129 how badly God's people have been persecuted in all ages, and yet how wonderfully they've been preserved by grace. You've got to go back to remember the bad and remember the grace of God that got us through it or brought us out of it. Another commentator says this, Whereas most nations tend to look back on what they've achieved, 
Israel looks back on what they've survived. I think that's a great help to us. When we look back on what we've achieved, that's kind of self-promotion. When we look back on what we've survived, I mean, that can be self-promotion if we give ourselves the glory, but if we're thinking rightly, we look back on what we survived by God's grace through Christ, God's faithfulness. And that's the point, because look at verse 4. The Lord is righteous. Verses 1 through 3 are focusing back, singing about persecution, singing about their suffering. Verse 4, but the Lord is righteous in the midst of it all. He's righteous, he's faithful, he's trustworthy, he's covenant-keeping. He's the God who's made promises to his people that he will not leave or forsake them, that he will be our God, we will be his people. And when times get difficult, when times are of suffering come, when times of persecution or great affliction come, he is righteous, means he can't lie. He can't help but do everything he has said he will do in Jesus Christ. And that's the great hope here. That's what we're singing. We sing about the suffering. We sing about the trials. Because we also sing about the God who is faithful to us in those. And how so? The New Testament tells us that in our suffering, it's Jesus who identifies with us in our suffering, in our affliction, in our hardship. In fact, so much so, he took our place in our ultimate suffering at the wrath of God on the cross. He took our place. And then Paul writes in the New Testament telling us, now for the Christian, Christ allows the Christian the privilege of sharing in Christ's suffering. I mean, is that how we view it? Christ took our ultimate suffering on the cross, and the great privilege that God gives to his people is he allows us to share in those sufferings of Christ so that we might know God's righteousness, so that we might know his faithfulness, so that we might know that truly Christ is enough. But is that our attitude? Well, it matters what we sing. It matters what we pray. And if you're like me, we kind of have our, I won't say canned prayers, maybe that is the right terminology, but we kind of have the things we like to pray about. And this morning we're reminded, praise God for the suffering. Praise God for the persecution. He's sovereign. He's in control. He's at work in it. He is faithful to us. He can't help, but he's righteous. And he has provided everything that we need in Christ Jesus to bring us through. Christ took our ultimate suffering. Praise him. And any suffering we're going through, man, it, it may make life miserable now and we don't understand it and we may not always think this way, but it's a privilege to share in the sufferings of our king, knowing that God uses it to sanctify us, to grow us, to stretch us, to make us more like Jesus. And in the suffering, look to Jesus. He's enough.